Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of our podcast, Health Tech Innovation 2024-25. I'm your host, Arvind Sareen, CEO and Chairman of Copper Digital, a digital transformation services company with a rich legacy of 13 plus years. Today, we have a distinguished guest with us who has wealth of experience in marketing and healthcare leadership. With over two decades of expertise in marketing communications, creative direction, and social networking, He's a seasoned marketing leader specializing in driving demand and growth for businesses in the healthcare sector. As the chief marketing officer at Flagship Specialty Partners, our guest oversees marketing strategy and execution for a partnership dedicated to supporting and empowering surgeons, enabling them to achieve their practice goals and thrive in the modern healthcare market. Please join me in welcoming our distinguished guest, Blair Premis. Blair Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my it's uh, my pleasure. I, I I'm not sure I've ever had such a robust and um, enjoyable introduction. That's super flattering. Thank you so much. Well, wonderful. No, we are so excited, and so is the audience in. Um, to have you here and have uh, you know a great conversation and pick um, your brain and insights on amazing experience that you have in this sector. So. Let's get started, I guess. Can you yeah. briefly outline how flagship specialty partners is revolutionizing the healthcare industry by supporting specialists? Yes, happy to. So flagship specialty partners uh, is a, a management services organization uh, that helps um, specifically oral surgery practices or so in the dental side of healthcare. Oral surgery practices um, by supporting those physicians uh, that choose to work with us. Uh, in uh, giving them those wraparound resources they need to be successful. So we focus a lot on allowing the surgeon to be a surgeon, and we take care of the other pieces, um, HR, IT, marketing, accounting, finance, revenue cycle, and uh, enables them to um, practice at the top of their license, focus on patient care, patient outcomes, uh, and then we help them with their uh, additional components of that so it doesn't have to be uh, on their mind as they're doing their work with the with the patient population. So it's exciting. Yeah, we're coming up on two years old. We're based in the Southeast. We're, I'm sitting in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we have uh, practices and partnerships that we work with in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. Well, wonderful, wonderful. No, that's great. And I love the concept of flagship partners because you work with different dentists, different oral surgeons, who have their own practice, but then they haven't really gone to school for learning the management right. skills or people management or you know other functions like HR. So you're coming in and really asking them to do what they do best and help the patients and focus on the core of the business in giving that exceptional service. But then you could help them with facilities, with staff, with you know other functions within the practice because it takes a lot to really run a successful practice. Yes, yes, you you nailed it. I think you know we 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 work for the physicians where uh, our company is majority owned by by viral surgeons, and we work uh, in their service to help them be as successful as possible. And through that partnership, it allows us to take some of these components of what would otherwise be their daily life, right? Is, oh, I have an HR uh, um, challenge. I may have an IT challenge. I may have a, a legal uh, challenge of some kind. I may have a marketing or accounting and finance challenge. And we can remove some of those daily activities, those daily tasks that they are not trained for. 
they did not go to school for. They did not seek, this isn't what they chose to do. And so really uh, the phrase I like to use is we're able to align the incentives in a very meaningful way. The physician and the surgeon can be focused on what he or she does best and the support center, the support staff can focus on what it is they do best. And when those two come together, the patient is the winner because the uh, outcome is focused on the things that make their experience as best as it possibly can be. I love it. I love it. You know, in our industry as well, in digital transformation, when we're designing these solutions and, you know, we started off as a mobile app company when we were designing mobile apps as well, you know, what we were taught was always focus on the user. I mean, the end user who's going to be using the application and that's that user centricity. And of course, in healthcare, in creating these amazing services for the patients, it's got to be patient-centric. I mean, ultimately, patient needs to be empowered because of all the choices that they have. And if the patients win, then everybody else wins. And you mentioned about marketing, and I know your role here as chief marketing officer. Can you tell me, how do you see marketing playing a pivotal role in the success and growth of a healthcare organization or a dentistry, uh, especially in the current landscape? Yeah. And I, and I think you you touched on it a little bit, you know, as you were thinking about the evolution of your company, which is, you know, how do you create an easier existence for the consumer or in our case for patients? I think, you know, healthcare candidly um, starts from a place of low expectation. I think in the United States uh, specifically, nobody- Why is that, to, do you think? Yeah, I think nobody goes to the doctor's office thinking, wow, this is going to be spectacular. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait that this, you know, you, you might think differently about a restaurant. You still have high expectations because I'm here. The chef is great. The food is great. And and when you're let down, you're bummed. I think in healthcare, it's the opposite way. You have low expectations that you're going to be on time, that it will go well. It's just, that's a little bit of the brand of healthcare. A, B, you're hurt or in pain or something is wrong. You're not coming from a place of joy. You're coming from a place of seeking solutions. And so I think where healthcare has been challenged is we haven't fully embraced the idea that simplicity creates ease of use, which is the phrase I like to use, actually creates an easier path for success from the consumer. So saying all of that, how do we create an environment where the marketing and the communications and how we think about going to market for our practices can show the patient that we will be simpler to use for that? And if we have quality care, expert physicians, fantastic outcomes, and we can solve the, some, the ease of use part, it's difficult not to win in the patient's eyes. It's difficult not to deliver quality care because you you don't want to uh, start from a place of ec- the expectations are low. We have to create a shift where consumerism and healthcare becomes a meaningful thing. So a lot of buzzwords, a lot of phrases around, we have to empower the consumer in healthcare, and it just hasn't been done in 50, 60 years. It's, it just hasn't been done. We, we are so, so much control in so many other ways. I can choose my cell phone. I can choose my clothes. I can choose my car. I can choose so many other things. And in healthcare, we don't have as much of that choice as a perception. The reality is you do. And if we can market and showcase and establish to patients that our practices are easy to use, easy to communicate with, and deliver quality outcomes, we will be successful. You know, ultimately that's, that's, that's the challenge. That's that's the macro landscape, right? You think about things like inflation and you think about things like, you know, privacy law and you think about things like 
you know, coming still coming out of COVID, you know, a couple of years since COVID, like those are all factors. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, the patient that says to you, wow, that experience was really great. That's the goal. The goal is to have fantastic patient experience and it's high quality clinical outcomes, fantastic patient care partnered with ease of use uh, in that system. And that's what gives you the the winning point. Those are the two key factors. I think. No, I love it. I love it. And I think, yeah, as you talk about this, you know, I, I sit back and I'm thinking that, yeah, like in COVID, I don't know if a lot of people went to the dentist, right? I mean, that was something um, sure. that just Tough. became sort of optional. And and also, in, including, you know, as you mentioned, in the current landscape of inflation, at times people may cut, um, you know, some costs and that sure. might be in this field. And that's why marketing becomes so important that, you know, the preventative care and, you know, ensuring that you're still taking care of, you know, your your teeth and gums. I think then marketing can just play such an important role, especially in the, you know, in this space. No, I love it. Yeah. So uh, Blair, you have a very diverse background in, in marketing because you've been involved in uh, different industries. How do you feel like marketing in healthcare differs from other sectors? Like what are some unique challenges and opportunities that it presents? Yeah, and I touched on it a bit a bit earlier, but I think that the core difference is, you know, I've worked in, in uh, for automotive clients or uh, consumer packaged goods. I've worked for um, quick service restaurants. I've worked in financial services. And those are all things that have a choice associated with them where the consumer can choose to go to McDonald's. They can choose to bank with Bank of America. They can choose to buy an Audi. Those are the three brands that worked on in the past. And in healthcare, we have to figure out a way to convince and you know impress upon patients that choosing us as a provider, in our case, again, for the oral surgery space. So just as a clarifying you know, moment here, right? We've got, you know, the primary care of, of the, de- of, you know, of dental, the dental side would be the dentist or the dentist. Then they'll send you to and or partner with the oral surgeon to solve larger challenges and issues. Wisdom teeth being the most obvious, but then there are other things around jaw, TMJ, um, you know, uh, full arch replacements for those that, that need that solution. Sleep apnea, facial pain, um, cosmetic surgery. That's all in the oral maxillofacial surgery landscape. And so the challenge we um, are trying to overcome is educate and socialize to patients why you need an oral maxillofacial surgeon, why it's ideal for your care. So you're absolutely right that there are some shifts in the landscape from cutting corners, inflation goes up, it's harder to afford things. It's even more important that we're then expressing why we're relevant in their lives and why it's important that they understand what an oral maxillofacial surgeon does and an oral facial surgeon does and an oral facial pain doctor does and how we can help you in sleep apnea, how we can help you with jaw pain, how you can live a life um, that you choose to live uh, and be happy and not in pain, right? Pain is typically the number one indicator that something's wrong. And we want to make sure that the rest of it is as easy to use as possible. So. Um, I'm wandering a bit here, but ultimately I think consumers think about certain products. And in the past I've worked on very consumer facing products, McDonald's, Audi, automobiles, right? Financial services. It's in your face because you're going to choose those things. 
healthcare comes about when you don't want to have it happen. It, it would be great if we could all go through life saying, I lived a very long, healthy life and never went to the doctor once. Right. But the reality is that's not how you live a long, healthy life. You know, like I've even had some little things here, where, you know, they find some things and they have to scrape it off. And, you know, if I hadn't gone to the doctor, they would, I wouldn't have known I had that problem. Wouldn't have known how to get it squeaked off. And so the preventative care, making ourselves easy to use, making ourselves relevant is, is really critical for healthcare. And I think it's the key difference in some of the other products and services I've been involved in in the past. Love it. And and I think, uh, thank you for explaining the the kinds of yeah. uh, organizations you're helping because, you know, discovering new patients and bringing them, bringing that traffic to your facility is important. And I feel like uh, in our previous conversations, we've discussed how even that is changing tremendously yes. because you can't just rely on the dentist sending you, uh, you know, those specialized treatments. You can't just rely on referrals. I think if you have also a good marketing arm that is continuing to spread the word and you stay top of mind, you know, then even when they go to the dentist, they know that they have a choice and they could be like, oh, you know, I'm familiar with this facility in this area and yeah, I would like to go there. Or, uh, you know, once they have a good experience, then they could always um, refer other patients, even though they may go to the dentist first, but, you know, there's more traffic ultimately in the long run that would come you know, to that oral surgeon. Yes, exactly. And I and I think really the key there is, you know, it's the validation for the patient that when they are referred from the dentist, that the dentist is sending to a place they feel comfortable with, that they understand. And so there's a really good reason to build a brand around our practices and the work that our surgeons do. Even if we don't get it directly from the consumer, the vast majority of our patients are referred and we want to support that referral community um, in a strategic and powerful way, we want to make sure that we have good relationships and that we're taking care of their patients in the best way possible. And a way to do that is to create a brand that in the patient's eyes, they have validation for. So when we are, when a patient is referred from an orthodontist and a dentist, when they are referred from the dentist into our practice, they feel validated by the choice because they're familiar with that brand, which now supports both the referral community, which again, we are, we are thrilled to have so many wonderful referral partners, but the consumer side of it is bigger than just come to us directly. It's really more about how we support that referral community by validating the choices that those providers are making in partnering with us as a oral surgery partner. Sure, we can grow. Uh, there are some to consumer, direct-to-consumer, or what I call first-choice options for patients in the oral surgery space. Cosmetics is one of them complicated, you know, jaw and mouth um, solutions and treatments for patients oftentimes could come directly uh, to us or we could be a first choice for patients. Uh, but the vast majority of them are referred and the goal is to not replace those referrals. It's to enhance, it's to build upon. And we'll do that do by that. giving the best in class service, by taking care of them, by making exactly. it easy for them, you know, because they expect that similar experience like Instagram and Facebook, it's so easy. And, you know, you so get your appointment, you get a text, you get, you know, yep. a mobile application where you know where you are in the process. You get some notes on aftercare. Like, I mean, sky's the limit. The, the way that you can create right. that seven-star experience and just really wow them. 
um, you know, can can be the recipe where you're right. Um, it's not really changing the way that the patients discover us. It could still be a huge chunk or majority of them coming from referrals. But if we just take care of them by using technology, by, you know, giving yeah. them um, access uh, later on as well, uh, using, you know, mobile apps or using other uh, interfaces that are at par, you know, with the Amazons and the Instagrams yes. of the world. Then That's the goal. I think that does the trick. Yeah. That's the goal. You know, if you think about it, right, the simplest, the simplest uh, way to describe it is probably, you know, when the patient goes back to the dentist for their six month, nine month, 12 month in the process of their checkups, they say, hey, how did the surgery go at one of our practices? The validation is the patient says, oh my God, they were terrific. Uh, it was so easy to use. The outcomes were great. Then the dentist gets their patients in a place that they are now providing the best care to because the skill set that is required for the oral surgery side is the ideal partner for dentists or orthodontists so that they can say, well, I am treating the whole patient by giving you the services and the recommendations of the oral surgeon who are best in class. So they send them to our practices, we take care of them. And then when you go for your preventative care, your routine maintenance at the dentist, they're thrilled that they hear the great experience with. Like it's the ideal okay. partnership. So yeah, I think you said it very, very well. And that's sort of the thread, right? That's that's the piece we want to continue to uh, hone in on. It's how do we have world-class referral marketing partnered with uh, developing uh, best-in-class brands in all of the markets in which our surgeons live and work? Love it. Love it. So I guess, um, you know, then technology, of course, plays an important role, not yeah. just in marketing, but making it very easy for the patient and the way the experience is elevated. And now, Everybody talks about AI, you know, and, and like every some are scared AI is going to take all of our jobs, but it's obviously having a huge impact in a lot of different industries. Like, what do you think within healthcare or in your space specifically? Like, how do you see AI being utilized within flagship or broader healthcare industry? And what potential benefits and challenges does it bring to your space? Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's AI, so it's so um, it's such an interesting uh, conversation, right? Because you know we are probably, without knowing it, using some form of AI right now on this podcast, right? There's something going on in the background, right? And so AI has got an elevated level of conversation, even though it's been around for a very long period of time, right? It's this generative AI as of late that you know can can you know the fear is it becomes self-aware, right? It's the the whole Terminator. Uh, Godson, but on um, Skynet, right? But at the end of the day, Google Maps, right, is AI. And we've been using Google Maps sure. for a long period of time. And what's interesting about healthcare um, in general is it typically lags behind from a technology standpoint, the rest of consumer you know, use patterns. Um, there's privacy and there's safety and there's, you know, um, rules and laws to protect patients that sometimes inhibit the rapid expansion of technology, but at the end of the day, I think AI can be a wonderful benefit for um, operational enhancements. We use it today in our practice and for our practices to um, help our team learn how to handle phone calls better from patients. We can use it to help decipher themes from those calls where the patient calls in. We can hear the terms, phrases they're using. AI can listen to it. We work with a partner here in North Carolina that helps us do that. And then we can use those scripts as training for our staff to say, 
here are the words, terms, phrases that resonate better with patient experience than those that don't. We can understand where they, why they came to us. Did it come from an ad? Were you referred? Did you click on something? We can learn all about the AI. And then there's clearly things like tactical uses of AI, which is copywriting, um, review generation, you know, helping us think through how to start something. I think AI is a wonderful starting, you know, let's throw some questions into Google, into BART or ChatGPT and think about how this works. And all of a sudden, you know, some ideas pop out that our team takes it and we go and make magic out of it. I don't know that the AI is the magic. I think the AI is the kickstart and then we take it to market. But it's, it's, it's interesting that it's gotten, it is heightened uh, as of late because it can, you know, write your kid's school paper. It can, you know, create an ad campaign without you having to do a lot. Um, and I think that's the self-awareness piece. That's the future state that people lean into. I look back as somebody older and I say to myself, like, it's been around for a while. I mean, I've been using Google Maps a long time. There's some AI in there. It's projecting I shouldn't take the interstate because there's an accident up there. We should take an alternate route. That is it's thinking about how this works. You know, artificial intelligence is doing that work. So I think it's thrilling. It's exciting. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how it impacts patient care. Um, I think there's a lot still to be determined there, but it is an exciting future. And I, and I look forward to it. I embrace it. I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on how it can help and value. I love it. Love it. I think the... Uh, the examples that you gave were really amazing. And um, I like how you were able to describe where practically you are already using it, you know, and, yeah. um, and, and especially in marketing as well. I think to generate those ideas, of course, you know, Gen AI is the king right now. And even we are doing a very interesting um, product launch in Gen AI where you just speak or, or you know, you just uh, type... Uh, some idea and it gives you a video based on that idea. So like the wow. entire video, not just, you know, a picture or not some text, but an entire video wow. that has multiple shots. And that's actually, um, you know, live, it's called right. uh, realcraft.ai. And, um, you know, it's something that we've been working on for the past uh, few months. But yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I just find it unbelievable. And I just think that the next, few years, it's going to have so many, uh, you know, things that we couldn't imagine ever. Like when you think of the personalized care, I think w one important thing that I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to is how can we have access to therapy for everybody using AI? I mean, that's something that I'm really looking forward to. And there are some tools that are already there, but they don't go all the way. But I mean, that would be for me something to look forward to in the healthcare space. And I think, um, you know, in, in your space as well, um, specifically, yeah, I, I feel like that personalized care or, you know, a lot of the, the instruments uh, that may be used definitely use AI. And, and I think the advancements in the last few years have been humongous. Yeah. Um, so I think it plays an important yeah. role. But do you think eventually like the oral surgery could be performed by these robotic arms or hmm. we're, we're long way to go from there? I mean, it's just probably a long, 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 yeah, a long, long way to go there. Um, I think the oral surgeons are not going to lose their jobs. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> Um, I think the marketing departments are probably more nervous than the oral surgeons are about about uh, about being replaced. Um, 
I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. And I think even your description of the recraft uh, AI that you described, right, is, is how people should be thinking about it, right? How can it add value to something that already exists as opposed to it's going to replace a thing that exists today? And I think in our world, specifically, um, again, for, for you know, the, the healthcare landscape and specifically even deeper for an oral surgery practice or a group like ours that supports and works with physicians across multiple states and multiple practices, how do we think about a regional approach to say, here's something we've learned in a specific market, and if AI or technology can help us be really great at it, we can then replicate that across all of the other markets and all the other locations where we have providers and specialists that we support and we help uh, be successful. And so what's exciting it. to me about it is it helps you get to scale quicker as well. Yeah. It doesn't replace the work that has to be done. It just may help us get to scale quicker. So and do it more efficiently, like you said earlier, right? The process yes. efficiency, yes. you know, can be huge as well. Because, you know, AI is like you just need to train. And if you can have some sort of a close feedback loop where you're, you're like, okay, well, how did this go? And then you feed it back and then you look for those elements that actually yeah. helped, um, you know, get some successful outcomes, then you could. I One mean, of them. We, 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 have, we have a customer right now, um, OnStar. They are into oh, providing, yeah. yeah, so they're into providing services for HVAC and they have a lot of technicians um, that uh, they hire and there's demand that comes and goes but we created a demand forecast system for them, a dashboard where they know how many calls are they going to get based on historic data and the weather data. Sure. So it just gives them, you know, the demand and they can be prepared like that. And I think time analytics is critical. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, for scheduling right. and all yeah. that as well can be important, um, you know, use how it and so we'll see. I what, think you're right. What, yeah. I what, what area that I'd add, one area that I'd add where it could really be beneficial, right, is we all have to navigate the insurance landscape. And I can tell you in oral surgery, it is it is doubly complicated because we deal with both dental and medical insurance. And imagine if there was some generative AI and or some partner, a digital partner, that could help the patient and company navigate that very complex space. If some of it's dental, then medical kicks in. Sometimes the medical is not approved because the dental wasn't done. Like there's all these nuances inside that space and it's an ideal spot for a company to come in and say, let us help us, let us help you navigate this in a really meaningful way. And if the AI can learn those patterns, it can predict based on the cases that are being done where you might have a problem and then be able to give you a solution ahead of time. Like that's exciting. Like that would be a really interesting um, way to say, you know, here's the whole of the industry. How do we find a space where the innovation can fill the crack? And that then becomes the standard. Like that's the ultimate benefit of innovation and startup is it gives you the idea to solve problems that the macro uh, landscape is having trouble solving. Wonderful, wonderful. And you know, you you talk about um, startups and innovation. I think I, I have a question on that that I've thought of. Yeah. Like in your various leadership roles, what do you think startups and innovative companies have played as a role like what do you what role do you think startups and innovative companies play in shaping the future of healthcare technology yeah that's great i i i think you know two there's really two two specific things i would say there one is i think they're ne they're a necessary part of the healthcare landscape and ecosystem 
we need startups and innovative thinkers who are skeptical, and I mean that in a positive way, of the current healthcare environment. Be skeptical and figure out ways to change it. And so I think the first one is it's a necessary component to make large-scale changes in the future. The second thing I think is important about it is it allows you to be niche and focus in a very specific area as opposed to the macro healthcare system we have to manage today. And so the innovation at startup community is a critical component in in the beginning, uh, you know, as my first point, because it forces you to then think differently about the second, which is they're going to go deep and really be niche. And if you learn from there and you patchwork it up together, we create a partnership between large health systems, large healthcare companies, private practice, specialty care, and startups to create a an environment, which again, like we said at the very beginning of our chat, is better for patients, better for patient outcome. Um, and so to challenge the system, uh, to be skeptical of how it is today, I think it's a key ingredient for innovation and startups. It's a little bit of what we do at Flagship. We think about ourselves as um, a startup and as a, a way to align incentives differently for patients by taking our management services approach to enhance provider success, enhance physician success. And ultimately what that does is that makes the patient have a better outcome. And that's our version of, you know, being an innovator in a knit in this niche, in this niche way. We are in the oral surgery environment, managing patients, uh, that helping to manage the patient's expectation. And we do that by removing some of the obstacles that physicians typically have to face every day. While in the shift doesn't sound super uh, technology savvy, um, some of the things you're working on, right, have much more of that technology component, but it is innovative and disruptive in how we think about it. And maybe that's the key. That's the space that that uh, we think separates Flex from some, of, from some of the other options that are out there in the market, because we think about it differently. The people we have are aligned and thinking differently, and we're actively working to play that innovative startup role. Why can't we do that? Why not try that? It, why can't we have it this way? We we believe, candidly, to, to, to go a little bit deeper, that as a partnership model, we don't roll out a corporate plan in any way. We hear and work with practices in how they want to be worked with. We just provide them the support to make what they're doing better. We don't replace it with anything because we feel like it's a better way to go. Sure, we standardize and sure, we can give recommendations and sure, we can enhance what they're doing, which might force, might mean they have to change something slightly, but we don't force any sort of change. And again, that nuance, I think is pretty specific to us. And so to your point about startups and innovation, we consider ourselves a startup. We think innovatively in, in how we go about doing it day to day. And it's exciting. Exciting. I get, as you can tell, I get excited talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, exciting. yeah. No, and it is exciting. And I think, uh, for you as an organization being two years old, um, you know, is, is definitely um more nimble and agile and you know mm -hmm. uh obviously i yes. feel like also it's the mindset because you know we've been around 13 years but we're still a startup i mean when i introduce myself i say and i'm very passionate about my technology startup and even though i've been around and we worked with some very large customers and uh but we it's it's the way we think it's really um, you know, not having that hierarchy, it's really being able to act fast, you know, and, and, you know, otherwise larger companies, again, they have an important role to play, 
but at times they have a lot more to lose by trying new things because they are set in their own way and they know this works and this is 80% of the revenue. You can't just suddenly change that uh, yeah, because agreed. there could be big losses for the shareholders. So I think they have their fiduciary to continue to run a certain way. But I also feel that the larger companies can help fuel that uh, innovation in startups because a company can be successful if they can they can source innovation from a lot of different pockets and the right. smaller companies that can take on exorbitant risks and like you described, they can challenge the norm are yeah. definitely an important part of the ecosystem. And that's why America is so great. That's why Silicon Valley is so great because we support startups because you know failure is not frowned upon and it's only a stepping stone to learning something and doing it better. So I think it definitely plays a very important role in healthcare. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think you said it really, really well. And you actually described candidly a little bit of almost almost exactly candidly how we talk about our partnership with, with physicians. These practices existed before flagship ever showed up. They've been in business 35, 40 years. They've done this for decades. We're just going to try to come in and actually make it a little bit better for them by removing the things that they don't want to necessarily have to work on day to day so they can focus on what they went to school for, what they were trained in, what they're passionate about, what they want to be doing. And, and that's the novel component of it. 80% of the business is established and is going to run exactly how it was. How do we just shine up the other 20% to make them just a tad bit more successful tomorrow than they were yesterday? And I think it it only can help patients. It only can help the partners that we select that select us as their partner, I should say, it can only help them to improve that patient care. So I, I, I agree with you. And I think you said it, you're right on the money. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, great. Um, so I guess um, let's talk about some uh, inspiring stories. Can you share uh, some examples yeah. of how healthcare technology has made a positive impact on patient care and outcomes? Absolutely. So I think that um, you know, there's a couple of types of technology. Uh, in our space, right? There is the user side, which is, you know, online scheduling, online chat, texting, um, you know, and again, which in the grand scheme of innovation, healthcare innovation is just a tad bit behind. And I think we're still working through that. But I think technology that enables patients uh, to find or easier to use is, is always a goal. Um, and then there's the actual technology that happens in the OR. And that happens in the office environment. And I think there's tons of innovation there as well. Different devices, different implants, uh, different techniques, different tools. As long as those both travel down the same path, I think the provider can lean into technology advancement. And the user, uh, uh, our practices can lean into being simpler and easier to use. Um, you're just going to be successful. And so the, the stories around patients that found us easy to use and easy to work through combined with just unbelievable outcomes, um, you know, cleft lip repair, um, you know, fixing a jaw that was offset, um, you know, allowing somebody to sing and, you know, play a, an instrument again, um, allowing them to not be in pain, allowing them to feel like, you know, they are getting back to the life they always wanted or used to have. Those are the stories that just excel. Um, and those are great examples. You know, yeah. And I think whether it's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's 
how do patients choose us because they're in pain. Um, they're referred to us because they have a condition or a, or a, or a challenge of some kind. And if the treatment option, which is going to be their ultimate solution is met with, again, I'm a broken record here, but easy ways to schedule, easy ways to talk to us on the phone, easy ways to find our locations and office and offices, easy ways to access information. We're just setting ourselves up to be really successful for the patient and really successful for our practices. It'll be this relationship. I, I refer, I, I uh, use, use the phrase, it's a really symbiotic relationship between the referring provider, the specialist, which is us, and the patient. They're all in it together. And sometimes it's not thought of that way. And we need to begin to make that way and make it a constant. So the stories of success, I think, are those that get their life back. They feel like they've got a second act, which is terrific. Yeah. And I think those stories really help us continue to come every day to the office and, you know, get out of the bed and, uh, you know, have a purpose-driven job. Because, you know, you know, even in my personal story, like, I, I feel like I really got lucky the way I got an opportunity to come from Delhi to the United States. Uh, so I'm an Indian-born American. And the kinds of opportunities that I got here, um, you know, and then having achieved the financial independence, I mean, I think then I decided, okay, well, what do I really want it to do? And it's really that purpose, um, you know, that you find. And I feel like when we highlight the impact that it has on other lives, like you described yeah. how somebody was able to uh, not be in pain or live a better life. I think marketing's role to uh, highlight those stories and and also feel good, you know, across the community by knowing that our job, you know, enables a lot of people to live uh, the life that they want. I think that's extremely, you know, powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. You know, we have patients who are probably sitting right now, you know, a few days before a, a big holiday and are probably really nervous to go and have dinner with their family because they don't like how their they their their teeth look or they are embarrassed or they have trouble eating. And imagine knowing that and the anxiety that those patients have, um, those folks have leading up to that event to celebrate a Christmas dinner or, or a holiday dinner around the table. That's probably bothering them for days and weeks leading up to that event. Family is coming to town. You can be around folks. Holiday parties, you know, celebrating things. And that is the anxiety they deal with every day, all the time. Just simply removing that, giving them a better smile, removing pain, improving their life. Like to us, it seems relatively minimal. To them, it is a life change. It, it is truly totally life changing. Their life. It's incredible. You know, even really I was growing up, and back then, um, especially where I grew up, uh, orthodontists were not very common. Like nobody knew very much about braces. And in fact, there was misinformation that, oh, they're going to make your teeth weak. And as a child growing up, I felt so embarrassed um, and I didn't want to laugh and I didn't want to be sometimes in those groups. And once I got my braces and once the braces came off, it changed my life. It gave me the confidence. I feel like I always, I still remember it's a doctor who actually studied in the US and came and ran his practice in uh, Central Delhi, Pradeep Jaina. And, uh, you know, he, I remember my dad took me there and, you know, he charged me only 80 bucks. And, but that was a lot yeah. at that time. 
and but, um, you know, did the treatment. It was it was really really amazing. Life changing. Great story. Great story. Great story. And validates what we're trying to do. Absolutely. So um, Blair, you're you're also a mentor and coach. How do you see leadership yeah. evolving in healthcare and what advice, I think, as we wrap this podcast, what advice do you have for emerging leaders navigating the industry challenges, especially in the healthcare sector? Like how should, what resources or how should they go about equipping themselves for the future opportunities and to be, you know, the best leaders? Yeah, that's great. I um, I like to think about leadership as uh, teaching and guiding. Yeah. If a leader can teach and guide um, and help navigate teammates, partners, colleagues, then you're then you're a leader. Leadership is about applying social influence. It is about how to influence somebody uh, in a way to augment, adjust, change, shift behavior. And it's a it's it's not complicated. It comes in many flavors and many forms. But I feel like. Good leaders, good coaches, good mentors will then help teach and guide somebody to say, here's maybe a way to think about it, or here's a question I might ask, um, or here's an insight I can offer. But the individual that you are working with, partnering with, your teammates, your your, your, your employees, your staff, um, you want them to bring their expertise to you. You want them to bring their creative thinking to you, their problem solving. You want them to have novel ideas. You want them to feel empowered to share their thoughts. And I think if the leader understands that you have to pull levers to different levels, you know, a phrase I like to use a lot is that I think leadership is a game of chess and not a game of checkers. Chess pieces go in all different shapes and sizes. That's just like your team, right? Some can move diagonal, some can move one spot, some can move multiple spots, some have to go left to right. Like that's just like a team. They're all different. So there shouldn't be one model you apply universally to everyone on your staff, everyone on your team, every partner you have. You've got to modulate the type of approach you make because the individual is different. And so if you can apply influence in different ways uh, to, to teams, to, to, to partners, you will ultimately find a terrific success as a leader because you will listen, you will understand, you will modulate. It's not one way and do it this way. There are processes and suggestions you can give them that might make it uh, standardized. However, um, you have to kind of embrace the individual. And I think good leaders understand that and know it and are willing to listen and learn from from their teams as well. Great advice. That applies beyond healthcare, right? That could be that could apply to your family, right? That could apply to your neighborhood. I mean, that that's a, a little bit of a life lesson beyond just, you know, uh, a marketing department or a or a business team or something. No, I, I but but that's very helpful. I think um, a lot of people can benefit from that. Um, influence is important. You know, modulating is important. Listening is important. Empowering other people with decision making is extremely important. Um, but thank you so much, Blair. This has been a not a pleasure. Agreed. I really want Agreed. to thank you for your time, and um, I, I enjoyed it. And thank you for sharing your amazing insights and your industry expertise and your experience especially in this uh, unique field and in the, you know, in the marketing space. And thank you. I, I learned a lot myself. I'm sure our audience is going to find it super helpful as well. Thank you again. And looking forward to having many more conversations with you in the coming uh, and months and years. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. I, I love the, uh, I love the um, kind of open, open dialogue and, and us, you know, thinking creatively about how we, 
how we navigate the space. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for the time.